When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. James, thanks so much for your time. How are you going over there? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's great to have you on. As I mentioned, I love this time of year when it comes to NBA. There's a bit of a lull in New Zealand and a lot of the sporting action. So I think this is when most people tend over here to kind of jump on the bandwagon a bit and then get into it for the rest of the season. So 30-odd games in for these teams. What's been your favourite storyline of the season so far? Um, I, I think just how wide open it is, right? Like if you look at the Western Conference standings right now, it is absolutely nuts. Like the, the defending champions, the Warriors, are sitting there in 11th place, but only five games back of the Grizzlies who are in first. Like the, some of the teams that have been my favorites to watch this year have been a little bit surprising. Not that we didn't think they were going to be good, but like the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, um, these teams are probably thought of as like, on the fringes of that the championship picture, like coming into the year, I don't know anybody who would have picked either of those teams to make the finals, for example, and they are right there at the top of the West. And then in the East, you kind of have Milwaukee and Boston like in their own tier. But after that, it's like almost as messy as what I just described in the Western Conference. So it's not the kind of thing where we know how this thing is going to play out. Um, night to night, it is pretty unpredictable. Um, but just over the course of the year, um, it's been hard to sort of, I mean, I shouldn't say it's been hard. I would say it's been fun to kind of follow the kind of ebbs and flows of what, what we've seen so far from different teams. Uh, with that said, James, are any of these surprise packages, you know, you Memphis of the world, are they convincing you that they could make a run at this and win the title, or are they still yet to convince you? And still, the big players, although not sitting at the top, will come to the will come there when the finals start. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I phrase this correctly. I don't like when I watch the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, for example. Like, I don't think they have shown me as much as a team like Boston. So mm-hmm. I would say, like, I would frame the Celtics as like the front runner, the favorite to win the title this year. Like, they have the potential, I think, um, to be like absolutely elite at both ends, right? Like Boston last year was one of the best defensive teams I've ever seen. And through this point of the season, Boston's been one of the best offensive teams I've ever seen. They just got Robert Williams, a third back. Um, Once they get fully healthy and get some continuity and some time with that group, like there's no reason they can't be like an all time great team on both ends based on like what we have seen over the course of the past calendar year. Like I, I don't necessarily see that, from the Pelicans or Grizzlies, but just by virtue of like how the league works, like I could see either of those teams making the finals. And then once they're there, 
I mean, you have to look at, at any scenario like that as like they have a decent chance. We've seen lots of crazy things happen over the past few years in terms of unexpected teams making either the finals or upsetting the team that was heavily favored to win the finals. Even last year, I mean, I, I look, the, the Warriors have a championship pedigree. They have history, um, but very few people were actually favoring them in that series against the Celtics. It looked like, um, I mean, I was there in Boston for game four where Steph Curry went absolutely nuts and like Boston was controlling that game at the beginning of it. And if they had won, they would have been up 3-1. Instead, Steph goes crazy. The Warriors win that game and the this, this series has changed and the, the Warriors win the next two games afterward and they win. So I, I would certainly like not write off any of these kind of up and coming teams just because um, we didn't see them necessarily being in this spot. I think we knew they had the potential to be really good. And, and once they get into a final series, like who knows how they might have grown from now until then? Who knows what moves they might make in between now and the trade deadline? I do think um, there are going to be a lot of teams at, like looking at themselves as buyers going into that trade deadline. The trade season really only started uh, in the middle of this month where a lot of, of the league became, you know, technically able to be traded if as far as if you signed in the summer then you couldn't even be traded at the beginning of the year so those negotiations are only sort of starting to happen now and really as we get closer to mid-february that's when you'll start to see teams actually making those moves at which point we can have a whole separate conversation about the landscape of the league because that that can like change things really really quickly We'll absolutely be getting you back on the show to talk about that changed landscape, James. No doubt about that. <laughs> I just wanted to pick you up on uh, on Memphis. It's uh, there's a fairly strong New Zealand connection and interest uh, with Stephen yeah. Adams there for us. How do you? How have you seen their season develop? They obviously had a good season last year. Are they a better team this time around? You know what's wild is if you just look at the roster and like who's been available, I don't know that you can necessarily say that, but they've played better. They have grown since last year. I mean, I, I hope you guys are watching Steven Adams and, and watching the way this team plays because they are so fun to watch. They are so unselfish. They have overcome a lot of different stuff this year. Like Desmond Bain, um, who was in the running for most improved player last year, John Morant, his teammate, ended up winning it. But he took this huge leap last year, right? As a second-year player, uh, his first year is more of a shooter. Last year, he's an even better shooter, but he's shooting different kinds of shots. He's moving a lot off the ball. He's also kind of making plays and increasing his scoring average. This year, in his third year, he comes out, and in my eyes, it's an even bigger leap. He, he was playing at an all-star level to start the year. He's running way more pick-and-rolls. His assists are up. He's just doing so much offensively hmm. for the Grizzlies, I think taking a lot of pressure off of John Moran, and then he gets hurt. That changes the team. Um, and they, they started the year without Jaron Jackson Jr., who's their best defensive player. Um, he is now back, uh, but Bain is not. So, like, we haven't seen those guys play together. Whenever, if John Morant, like, has to miss a game or whatever, like, we saw what they did last year where they just kept rolling. Um, now they've done it with their, their two other best players not being available at the same time this year. I think that the ceiling is even higher than what we've seen so far because of that, but also just because this team is so young, these guys keep getting better. Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, may very well win Defensive Player of the Year this year. He's better than he was last year. Jaw uh, is better than he was last year. And then they have all of these role players. Um, you can just go up and down the lineup. Guys that they've drafted, guys that they have signed undrafted, 
uh, even like like a John Conchar who was started in place of Desmond Bain and just been so solid for them this year. They have an identity and they stick to it regardless of who has been on the court. And it's just, it's been really special to kind of watch this team grow together because they've done it pretty organically there. Talking about things growing well together, uh, James, tell us about Brooklyn. Have have things calmed down a little there? (laughs) Yeah, they've obviously calmed down. I, I think, you know, going on a big winning streak will do that. They had a six and one homestand. They've continued that recently by winning some games on the road. You can kind of look at the competition and come away a little bit underwhelmed um, when you look at how close a lot of these games were um, and how they were favored in the vast majority of them. And I, I don't think they're exactly playing at a championship level or anything, but I think their job was to basically get the shop in order and to like stop messing around and to get a defense that is adequate at least. Um, it's actually been above average in, in a lot of these games, not all of them. Um, they've had some slip-ups on that end. They've had a few games recently um, where they had to come back and win. Um, that, that They had to do that last night. They had to do that the other night in, in Toronto as well, where they get down by 18 or 19, and then they kind of turn it on. Um, and they're, they're kind of getting away with that kind of thing, I guess. Um, but they're so talented. Um, they they do seem to be, you know, finding a little bit of an identity in a way that they didn't have earlier in the year. And part, part of that is just because they are more whole than they were at the beginning of the year. They were reintegrating not just Ben Simmons, but also Joe Harris, who missed most of last year, Seth Curry, who did basically nothing over the summer uh, after being hurt at the, at the end of, of the previous season. Um, TJ Warren just came back. Um, about a week and a half ago after missing basically two full years. Um, so that, that, that's a decent portion of their rotation that they're trying to figure out who's available, guys who aren't necessarily playing on back-to-backs. Um, Simmons has had a couple of different um, kind of injuries throughout the year. They've taken him out of the lineup, and then you're putting him back in. The same thing with a, a lot of different guys. It wasn't just the, the whole Kyrie Irving anti-Semitism scandal where he was out um, because of a team suspension that, that messed with the team. There were injuries as well. There was a coaching change. There's just been a lot of drama around the Nets, and I think over the past few weeks, they've just been a normal basketball team, and that has coincided with a lot of winning, and I think they'll, they'll be looking to build on that now and kind of figure out uh, who's actually going to be in that rotation at the end of the year. This is a team with championship aspirations for sure. And this is a team that presumably will be looking to make a trade in between now and the deadline to try to just go all in on this season as much as, much as they possibly can. And while we're on Brooklyn, there's another Kiwi connection, not to go full uh, New Zealand angle on everything here, but obviously no, no, their, GM, yeah. their GM, Sean Marks, uh, also a New Zealander. What is, gosh, he's had a challenging year. What is the yeah. general view of him over there? I, I think it probably depends on who you ask, and I think it's evolved and changed a lot. I think, honestly, if you would ask this question about a year ago, I think you would find people who would say that he might be the best executive in the NBA. And I think what happened through a bunch of circumstances that were not really in his control, the front office's control, is the Nets started to be looked at as just kind of a circus and an organization that didn't quite have its house in order. Um, But if you, so I think if you ask now, 
you might get more negative feedback about Marks and his front office and, and the job that they've done and how they've handled things um, since bringing in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I think no one could possibly argue with how they ran the team before that. They, it was one of the most impressive things that's ever been done in terms of managing a professional sports franchise. They were as low as an NBA team could possibly get with no draft picks, no real hope, and Marks built it up into a team that was growing together, that had a bunch of young pieces that were attractive, and they were able to lure couple of superstar players to, to come to town after making a playoff appearance. They, like, they built it up from ground zero. Um, and I think now, like if we were to keep the conversation to like strictly a like, basketball and like the transactions that, that the Nets have made, I think like it should like the job that the front office have done, it should be looked at pretty favorably. I mean, Kevin Durant asked for a trade in the off season. They did not buckle and make a panic move where they set the team back uh, for years and years and years. They stood their ground when they didn't get a package that was deemed acceptable, and they made moves on the margins that appear to have really helped. I mean, the, the, the team that they had in the playoffs where they lost four admittedly close games to the Boston Celtics but ended up getting swept and kind of embarrassed in the first round looks nothing like the team that you see today if you put on a Nets game. They're way bigger now. They're way more versatile. Some of that is because... Ben Simmons and Joe Harris, two of their top four or five players, like just weren't available in that series. And now they are healthy and contributing, right? But some of it is because of moves that Marks has made. Like uh, Utah Watanabe has been like maybe the best under the radar free agent signing of last offseason, going from a guy who was like a versatile defender and like a smart player, but you didn't know about the three point shot to, oh, now he's just one of the best three point shooters in the NBA, apparently. And he's a huge part of this team. And closing games, T.J. Warren was this kind of like low-risk, high-reward signing, a guy who hadn't played in a couple of years, coming off pretty serious injury, hoping maybe he can get back to himself. It, it's early, but I, I think the, the early signs we've seen from him have been really, really encouraging. And if he can do basically what he's doing now and be efficient um, and play that role in the playoffs, that's, that's absolutely huge for them. And then Royce O'Neal was the guy they traded a first-round pick for. A lot of people thought it was weird when it happened, um, but he has started most of the games for the Nets this year, maybe actually all of the games for the Nets this year in which he's played, and he's been just, again, like a two-way player who can hit threes, who can guard multiple positions, who's he's not huge, he's like 6'5", but, I mean, when they were throwing out lineups against the Celtics with, like, Seth Curry and Patty Mills and Kyrie Irving on the court at the same time, they were just tiny, and Royce O'Neal is a guy that ties lineups together so they don't have to do that kind of thing. I just think it's a, it's a well-constructed team now. It's a pretty deep team now. There are some flaws. There are some holes. They will Again, they, I'm, I'm sure they will try to make another move to make an upgrade um, in between now and the trade deadline. But I think if you take out all of the other stuff, which I don't think Marks could have anticipated, then like you have to look at some of these transactions and you have to give the Nets front office credit. Fair play to James Herbert, NBA writer for CBS Sports. Thank you so much for your time. Hope you get a good hot cocoa or an eggnog or something for the Christmas Day games, <laughs> uh, which you are no doubt working for. Really, really do appreciate it. All the best. Have a wonderful Christmas uh, and hopefully get to chat to you in the new year. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much. Gosh, thank you. Brilliant, brilliant journalists, uh, the NBA guys over there. Next up, we are talking rugby. Beeves take on Steve Borthwick and this England coaching announcement. You're listening to Kim and Beeves Big Brekkie. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day.